went, no, listening to British Birds, the True Crime Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to British Murders, the podcast that focuses exclusively on British murder cases and serial killers. I am your host Stuart Blues and with me is a longtime friend slash collaborator of the show. I've got Bobby Holmes back from Killer Stories. Welcome. Thank you, Stu. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Can we still call you Bobby from Killer Stories? Killer yes. Stories. You know we... what? If you're all right, I'm, I'm going to reuse this. Heart. <laughs> I'm going to reuse this story and at least get some content going because I feel like I've been slacking. But guys, I have a new job. It has kept me super busy. I'm not gone. Gone, gone. I'm just taking a break. Okay. Because a lot of my listeners are fans of your show and of our collaborations. I don't want you to break the hearts by... No. This, this episode comes out a few days before Christmas and, you know, what worse than... Santa bringing a cancelled podcast down the chimney. No, I can't say that. I don't think I could bring myself to cancel it. But um, yeah, just carving out the time. It's hard. You know, it's a lot of work. It is. It is a lot of work. Absolutely is. And I'm back to five days a week now. I was only four days a week and I had a day that I could dedicate towards the podcast. And now that's gone. (laughs) It's not good enough. It's not good enough, but we'll forgive you. So this is the sixth time you've been on the show. Wow. Basically what happens here. Normally we would both do an episode on each other's shows. I don't have to do that now. But this is going to give me a well-deserved break around the Christmas period in between my seasons. Bobby's going to tell us a story, I assume, from North America. I don't know anything about this story. It is North America. Remember, you said if I could make it British, then yes. But oh, if it's yeah. full on Yank, then that's okay. And I told you, actually, it's from <laughs> what Canada. What does Yank mean? <laughs> so this is a Canadian one, yeah? This is from, it happened in Canada, but the people involved are actually from Yugoslavia. So That's different to the UK, you know that, right? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so the murder of Alexandra Pesek who we're talking about today. And this case takes place in the late 80s, early 90s, just so you can paint a picture in your head. Um, As I said, she immigrated, actually her parents are the ones who immigrated to Canada from Yugoslavia. Do we know whereabouts in Yugoslavia? Because that's not exist anymore, does it? It's all different countries. I know they speak Serbo-Croatian. I don't know if that means anything to you. Serbia, could be Croatia, one of the two. Yeah, that does come up in here. So, But Zandra was very popular throughout her school years, both because of her personality and her good looks. And her friends convinced her to enter a local beauty pageant. And she did this more for shits and giggles, but she ended up winning first place. So, I mean, then she's like, well, I might as well just keep going. And she ran for the title of Miss Canada. She didn't come out on top there, but it was a fun experience. That was the end of her beauty pageant career. After high school, she attended school to become a dental assistant, which is a great field to be in, dentistry. You would know. I would know. I'm not hands-in anymore, like, you know, working in the the patient's patient's mouths. She doesn't come home covered in blood. It's a bad day at the office. (laughs) But I am still in in dentistry. I'm working in a... 
digital dental lab now is where I'm at, if anyone cares. But. So Xandra's best friend was her mom. And one of their favorite things to do together was attend open houses. So neither of them were actually in the market to buy a house. It was just something, it was fun for them to pretend, get the scoop on the neighborhood. They just kind of go crash open houses and explore. Do you guys have open houses? Yeah, I was hoping you'd ask me that. We have days put aside generally for all the viewings, but you still have to book a time slot. It's not just open season. Yeah, it's not Mm -hmm. just open season because any old person could walk in and just... Well, that might be good because I know here, especially, I mean, we've done it too, just kind of being nosy, but we're also somewhat, we're trying to get Brian's brother to move out this way. So we always keep our eyes peeled. But the neighbors, like the next door neighbors always come over to the open house because they want to see who's checking out the house, who could be our potential neighbor and that kind of thing. So makes sense. Anyone's open to open houses here. But one day Xandra and her mother were doing their open house thing. And as they loaded up on free snacks, they spoke to each other in their native tongue, which we said is Serbo-Croatian. And it wasn't a common language in Canada. So they could basically have their own secret conversations while in public, which came in handy when crashing open houses. Um, But at this particular open house, there was another woman who recognized the language, Yelka Pesek. She approached Xandra and her mother and introduced herself and started speaking in the same language. She, too, immigrated from Yugoslavia. So Yelka wasn't in the market for a house either. She was just being snoopy and checking out the homes in the area. And they all had a laugh about their idea of fun. (laughs) Just it is kind of funny that that's what they're all doing on Saturday. Um, But the three of them really hit it off, all being from the same country. They had a lot in common. Yelka, point blank, asks Xandra if she's single, which is a bit forward, but she has a son around her age and thought that they would be a perfect match. Xandra laughed it off. She wasn't necessarily on the hunt for a partner, but if it happened, it happened. And she wasn't too keen on being set up. We'll say that. Yelka said her family owned a auto body shop called Sam and Sons, which her husband's name is Sam. She gave Xandra a business card and said if she ever had car trouble, it would be on the house. And if she ever stopped in, she would be happy to introduce Xandra to her son, Joe. And literally the very next day, Xandra's car started acting up, started making some clanking noise under the hood, which to me seems like can't be coincidence. <laughs> feel like Yelka did something to her car on purpose to lure her in, which is like red flag number one, but <laughs> that's not confirmed. I don't know. That's just me throwing that out there. But Xandra remembered the business card and Yelka's offer. So she looks up Sam and Sons. It's only a few blocks away. She drove straight there and Yelka was delighted to see her. She greeted Xandra with a hug and said, I can't wait to introduce you to Joe. And she's like, actually, I'm just here (laughs) to get my car fixed, but okay. Yoka told the mechanics to put her car to the front of the line and drag Xandra into the office. There, Yoka introduced her to Joe. And despite her hesitance to be forced into the situation, Xandra was pleased with what she saw in front of her. She found Joe very handsome. He had a very polished look. He was wearing a suit and sporting an 80s mustache. (laughs) Like a porn stash. I saw pictures and I was like, what I read, it was like, oh, a well-manicured mustache. There's nothing well-manicured about an 80s mustache. They all had them Um, in the 80s. Yeah. 
So when Yoka kept pushing them to go on a date, she was attracted to him. She figured, why not? But after that first date, Joe and Zandra were inseparable. Joe was a flashy guy. He took her on dates to the most upscale restaurants in town and then dancing at the club. When they weren't out on the town, they were riding on his motorcycle. And only after knowing each other for a month, Joe asked Zandra to marry him. And she said yes. She had already told her friends and family that she knew he was the one. And that seems kind of crazy. A month. So much for not looking for a relationship. (laughs) While Zandra seemed to know Joe pretty well after just four short weeks, she really hadn't spent time with Joe's immediate family outside of meeting Yelka at the open house. And she had no idea that Yelka was the monster of all monster-in-laws. You heard that term, I assume. What, monster-in-law? Monster-in-law. I don't know if I've heard the term, but I can figure out what it means. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyways. Clever. Clever she knew, words. yes. She knew that Yelka was overbearing. I mean, she didn't take no for an answer when introducing her to her son. But it turned out that she was right in that instance. They were perfect for each other. But Zandra did not understand how controlling Yelka was until the wedding planning came along. And that should be up to the bride and groom. A fun experience to let your personality show on your special day. But Yelka had a vision and did not hold back by telling Zandra where to get married, how to decorate, what food to serve, and what to wear, which is a big (laughs) no-no. But in her mind, she, she knew what was best, right? So Zandra had enough. She spoke up. She told Yelka it was her wedding and she was going to make the decisions. Yelka said Zandra was marrying her son and she wanted it to be the best. She knew how to make that happen. So what do you do at this point? You stand up to yourself and basically get told no by your soon-to-be mother-in-law. Like, I honestly would be second-guessing the whole marriage at this point because, like, what's to come after this if this is how it's starting? Yeah. It's not good. Not good. Zandra had a talk with Joe, who unfortunately was actually quite the mama's boy. He did not want to stand up to his mom. And Zandra threatened to call the whole thing off if he didn't say something. So he made his decision. He stood beside his fiance and told Yelka she needed to step down and let them handle the wedding planning. And she did. Yelka had a stick up her butt the whole time over the whole thing and actually avoided speaking to Zandra altogether. But that was totally fine by her. Along with wedding planning, Joe and Zandra were actually looking for a new place to live. And it was important for both of them to live close to their families. And they settled on a small apartment within their price range. Zandra and her mother went shopping and bought decorations to make their tiny apartment more homey. Joe and Zandra were so happy they finally had a place to call their own. Their wedding went smoothly. Yoka kept to herself and didn't cause a scene. But while Joe and Zandra were on their honeymoon in Hawaii, she snuck into their apartment and completely redecorated the whole apartment. (laughs) Like, not just the artwork on the walls, like the bedding, the couch covers, the curtains, like the whole shebang. Like it didn't even look like the same place. They probably walk in and like, is this our apartment? (laughs) It was Yoka. It was all Yoka now. It wasn't them anymore. Yoka's a red flag. Yes. Big one. 
But Xander was pissed. And Joe, on the other hand, basically just chuckled and was like, yep, that's my mom. Like he knew all along. She's crazy. (laughs) And Joe may have found it funny, but Xander was not having that. She went to Yoka herself and told her how inappropriate and intrusive it was. And she was not permitted to enter their apartment when they weren't home. But Yoka kept doing it over and over. Most of the time, they didn't even know she had been there because she's just doing things like cleaning and restocking the fridge. And Xandra thought that Joe bought the food and vice versa. But eventually they figured out that certain products were just completely being swapped out for different varieties, like ones that Yoka found superior. (laughs) Like maybe your yogurt, like you like Yoplait, but Yoka thinks you should be having a fancier brand. (laughs) So all of a sudden, like a whole different brand is showing up in your fridge and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, it was Yoka. So (laughs) this is just... I'd be pretty pissed off if my mom came in and decorated my whole house. Right. You would be pissed off. Imagine yeah. your partner is yeah. like it just also human. Joe doesn't seem pissed off. That's what's <laughs> weird. But so it's just my mom. She's just yeah. out of the whole house. It's fine. He's dealt with that his whole life, apparently. So once they realized what was happening, Xandra confronted Yelka again. She explained that she was simply popping in to drop off groceries she bought, and it was just harmless. Why she even got a key? I think she just made herself a copy. I don't know how it happened, but naturally they worked together. You know, Joe and his mom were both at the auto body shop. So she probably stole the key and made a copy. They work in a key cutting store and <laughs> you know, she cuts a key in her nine to five. Yeah, I mean, she maybe does. I don't know what they have at auto body shops. They might need key cutting things. I don't know. <laughs> you should know. Do you Why research? should I know? Do your research. I work in dentistry. <laughs> Anyways. Oh. Zandra, still very uncomfortable with the whole thing, told Joe that he needs to tell his mother she cannot enter their apartment when they're not home. And he told her that he would, but he never did. <laughs> like I said, they work together. It's not it's his mom, but it's also his boss, and he doesn't want to make waves and ruin his chance at taking over the family business. So Joe doesn't do anything. But Yoka took things way too far when she replaced Xandra's wardrobe. So not just food. Now she's going into her closet and she literally removed the items that she owned that were hung up in her closet, took them out and put new clothes in that she found more appropriate or more flattering in her eyes for Xandra to wear. This is just this is beyond controlling. <laughs> That's your property. And she took it. And it's your personality as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not your good. Property, your personality, your yeah, fashion sense or lack of. Right, and Zandra, she doesn't even bother going to Joe this time. She just drives straight over to Yoka's, barges inside, and tore into her. She demanded her clothing back and told Yoka she was never allowed inside of their apartment again. And Yoka says, "You don't look good in your clothing. I know what you look good in." <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, she went over to the house and Yelka was wearing her dress. Uh, no. It looks better she on me. Like, <laughs> she doesn't like her clothing. She doesn't like it. She grudgingly opened the closet and threw the clothes back at Xandra. Xandra drives back home, and this creates a huge argument between her and Joe over the whole thing. And just as Xandra was expressing how inappropriate his mother was, the, there's a knock at the door. And it was Yelka and her husband, Sam. 
And Xantra's like, oh, hell no, get them out of here. But Yolka was all smiles. She had some exciting news to tell them. Her and Sam offered to put a down payment on a house for them. And Xandra and Joe looked at each other. Their apartment's teeny tiny. They never imagined they could afford to buy a house. So this is appealing to them, even through all the drama. They wanted to start a family together. And the thought of doing that in a two-story home was a dream. So perhaps this was Yelka's way of apologizing for her behavior. What time periods that between like decorating the apartment? Because what's the point if you're just going to buy them a house? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this was just like literally some story. She she probably didn't even have anything in, in mind. She was just like, how can I get them more under my thumb? <laughs> like when she stormed out, she was probably like, oh, I'm going to offer them a house. I don't know. But the very next day, well, I should say, okay, so they were offering $85,000, which is a lot of money mm-hmm. even now. This was, like I said, early 90s. They were going to put down that on the house and then they would take over the mortgage payments. So the the next day, Yelka takes them to check out a house. It was very, very close to their house, of course, <laughs> which slightly alarmed Sandra. But she couldn't back out now, not with the thought of home ownership dangling in front of her. As they were walking around inside, Yelka said, I can't wait to start decorating. Sandra's heart sank. <laughs> she knows nothing's going to change, but at least now they would be in a house. So she tried to stay positive. After moving in, Zandra made plans to add like an accent tile to the kitchen. She mentions this to Joe and Joe passes the information to Yelka. And Yelka barges in to the home, tells Zandra she is not allowed to do that because she already has plans for the kitchen. And this is just like, Xandra's had enough. Fuck this. I'm out. She packed her things and she moves in with her mom. So this was just the end of the line for her, I guess. One too many controlling things. Even with the house, she's she's over it. But not long after she moved out, Xandra discovered she was pregnant. So she decided to make her marriage work for the sake of her child. She moves back in with Joe And he told Yelka she needed to lay off. If she wanted anything to do with their grandchild, she had to obey their boundaries. And she did. Throughout Xandra's pregnancy, Yelka behaved herself, no sneaking into the home or trying to control Xandra. The couple had a boy and named him Brandon. They allowed Yelka and Sam to see him, but only under their supervision. The story will continue after these quick messages. And now, back to the story. Okay, here's where the story takes a turn. When Brandon was six months old, Zandra and Joe decided it was finally time for a date night, which is totally true. You know, when you have a baby, it's like, what, six months has passed and we haven't left the house? <laughs> Apparently, that's where they're at here. They need a night out, right? Yeah. So it is Joe's um, idea. So Zandra tells him, sure, you book the babysitter, we'll go out. Well, Joe books Yelka. <laughs> Doesn't run it by Zandra, probably because he knows she'll be pissed. So the night comes, knock on the door, Zandra opens it, and it's Yelka. So she almost called off date night, but Joe talked her down. He said how respectful she's been lately, and she just wants some quality time with her grandson. Zandra finally agreed, and they left for dinner. But she couldn't stop this nagging feeling that she just didn't trust Yelka. After dinner, they went out dancing. When they got to the club, Xandra called the house to check in. 
Yelka says, Brandon is fast asleep. Get this. She gave him some, quote, tea from the old country, and it knocked him out like a light. And Xandra was appalled because she gave specific instructions on what and when to feed Brandon. And at this age, he was still only drinking milk. So she's asking, like, what did you give him? And Yelka's like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. Have fun. He's asleep. Blah, blah, blah. They use this tea all the time in Yugoslavia and nothing bad ever happened. It helped babies sleep and stay asleep. So she rushes back to Joe and said that Yelka had given Brandon something and they needed to get back home ASAP. Brandon was breathing, but barely. Zandra picks him up and he was limp. Like they could not wake him up. And Yelka's calm as can be. No worries. She keeps telling Zandra and Joe to relax. Everything's going to be fine. But how do you not fight her right then and there? Honestly, someone hurts my kid like this on purpose. There's hell to pay. (laughs) She didn't have time for that. She rushes Brandon to the emergency room and they couldn't figure out exactly what Yelka had given him, but they said it was dangerous and he should never ingest it again. They were able to get Brandon awake and breathing normally again, and he was released the next day. But enough was enough. Xandra wanted nothing to do with Yelka. She told Joe he had to choose her or his mother. And for reasons I cannot fathom, Joe seemed to think that Xandra was the one overreacting in the situation. I mean, maybe because he grew up drinking tea from the old country and turned out just fine. I don't know. But as a parent, that is not okay. Yeah, that's that's bad. Tea from the old country. Yes. What is it? Jesus. Like liquid heroin or something? I don't know. Good God. Joe chooses Yelka. I don't. She's trying to be helpful and supportive. If Xandra can't see that, then he can't be with her anymore. And good luck finding anyone willing to put up with that bullshit. So Xandra takes Brandon and moves back in with her mother. She filed for divorce and was seeking full custody. Joe did not take this well. He was also gunning for full custody of Brandon. Yoka served Xandra papers, forbidding her to enter the home without her permission. Ironic, right? I don't understand this because how can she, I know she's given him the money for the deposit, Mm -hmm. but it's not her house. How can she ban someone from coming in their own house? She probably did all the paperwork under Joe's name. I don't know. But yeah, like some of Xandra's belongings were still in the home that she shared with Joe. But at this point, she just wrote it off. Good riddance. I don't even care. But the funny part is a judge decided that Xandra would have full custody of Brandon and Joe was to pay child support and alimony. On top of that, the judge decided the house now belonged to Xandra. Because of the stunt Yelka pulled drugging Brandon, she was not allowed to enter the home and a restraining order was placed. So flip-flopped. Like they filed papers. She's like, whatever, I don't care. I don't want in. And now the tables have turned. Xandra's in the house. They're not allowed in the house. Good outcome. Yes. Yes. Like I said, Yelka and Sam paid for the down payment, but the home was in Joe and Xandra's name. So in the divorce, she gets the house. Joe and Yelka were stunned. They couldn't believe the turn of events. Joe, with his tail between his legs, moved out and Xandra moved in. Joe didn't pay child support or alimony like he was supposed to. Not one single penny. Xandra was upset she wasn't getting the financial support she was owed, but ignored it. It was easier to just let it go. 
Joe filed appeals, but nothing ever changed due to the fact he wasn't keeping up his end of the bargain. And after about a year and a half um, following the divorce, Xandra got a package in the mail. It was a paperback novel titled The Deaths of Cindy James. She found this very strange. She had no idea who had sent it to her. There was no return address. It was a nonfiction novel about the story of a nurse who was harassed for seven years by an unknown person and then ultimately murdered, in this case, still unsolved. She's flipping through the pages and notices that there were certain paragraphs highlighted. The highlighted areas were specific things that Cindy James, her tormentor, did to her. For example, being followed by a car, receiving threatening phone calls, someone lurking outside her home, and a tree in her front yard being lit on fire. And there was one final passage that was about Cindy's death. The only thing that was highlighted read, you're dead. So what would you do if you got something like this in the mail? I mean, I'm calling the cops ASAP. Probably change my underwear (laughs) first, then call the police. Uh, yeah, I would be terrified, but she was, she was freaked out, but I don't know. She wasn't sure what it meant or who sent it. She assumed it was probably Joe just being an ass. She set it aside and tried not to dwell on it. But one evening she had a friend over and they're catching up at the kitchen table and they hear a noise outside. They look out the window and they see a tree in her front yard was up in flames. So someone had lit it on fire, just like the highlighted passage from the book. Xandra ran and grabbed the book. She's flipping through the pages and she's showing her friend, look, this is what's happening. I got this in the mail. So now she's officially scared. The fire department put out the fire and Xandra reported to the police her suspicion of a stalker tormentor. But unfortunately, there wasn't much they could do which I kind of call BS. If she has an idea that Joe's behind it, they could have kept an eye on him or following him around after this incident, but they didn't, at least not at first. No proof really though, is there? It's just just her word. Right, for sure. She's single and she's at home alone with the, I just feel like they could do something to look out for her a little more. But after the tree on fire, the next thing that starts happening is the late night phone calls. The landline would ring, but no one ever spoke. There was just heavy breathing on the other end. She started just taking the hook off or the phone off the hook at night so that it wouldn't ring because not only is this terrifying that it's happening, but it woke the baby up and then it was lack of sleep. And so just before bed, she would take the phone off the hook so that she didn't get the phone calls through the night. And about a month later, Xandra had given Brandon a bath and went to lay him down in his crib which they are on, his bedroom anyways, was on the first floor. So you could see through his windows out into the backyard. And it was nighttime, but she hadn't flipped the light on. She was just like walking him in to set him down. So she could see outside. You know, when you have a light on, the reflection kind of keeps you from seeing. So she sees a man standing right outside the window with a baklava. Is that how you say it? No, baklava's candy. Yeah, that's the cake, isn't it? Fuck, how do you say it? Balaclava. Balaclava. Or if you're, if you're in a gang, you'd call it a bally. Okay, I call it a ski mask, which is what I wrote, and that's a why I... ski mask. <laughs> Balaclava. <laughs> I knew as soon as I said it, I'm like, no, that is, that is oh, a delicious treat. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Okay, so there standing outside is a man in a ski mask. She scoops Brandon up. She runs frantically to the phone, dials 911. In the meantime, she can hear banging on the window, the walls outside of the house. But by the time the police arrived, no one was there. And I just can't imagine how scared she felt. Like I said, she's a single woman living alone. Someone mails you this book with highlighted passages that are coming to life. (laughs) Like terrifying horror film for sure. So the next day, Xandra notices someone's tailing her as she drove through town. They didn't do anything. They just followed her every move. And the scary part was everything in the book has come true except for the last one, the one that read, you're dead. Xandra kept police informed of all the strange encounters. By this point, they had kept a close eye on Joe, but they didn't notice any abnormal behavior. They had no idea who could be behind the late night phone calls and strange lurking in the dark. So like I said, this is 1992. I don't think video home surveillance was a thing yet, but to me, it just seems like somebody could be staked out at the house or like watching her house for her just to make sure that nothing crazy is happening, but it just didn't seem like that. I feel like more could have been done. But one day when leaving work at the dental office, Xandra walked out with her coworker, Bernice, and she often gave Bernice a ride home. So Xandra and Bernice jump into the car. As Xandra starts the engine, Bernice bends over to set her purse on the floorboard. And as she did, shots were fired. And she stays down low until it stops, right? There were six, six shots in total. And once it stops, she heard a car peeling out and sat up to catch a glimpse. And she says it was a, quote, flashy red car was speeding away. And Bernice looked to her left. Well, I, I assume it's left for you. It would be right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Canada has the same driving setup as we do. Yeah. Maybe. I, th- I think so. I'm not sure. Anyways, Bernice looks over to Xandra and sees that she is limp. Her body is lying across the steering wheel. She was hit by two of the six shots and they landed in her head. So she died instantly. She flagged down help, but Xandra was pronounced dead at the scene. Joe Pesic is the main suspect in her murder, especially when they broke the news to him that his ex-wife, mother of his son, was killed. He showed zero emotion but he had an alibi which he was at the public pool that day (laughs) conveniently had a time stamped receipt to show and all but my question is when you leave the pool do they stamp that too because who's to say he didn't show up there just to create an alibi and then leave i don't know i've never had to check out of the pool but i think you would get your receipt on the way in after you've paid right and that's it you just and then they just assume that he went swimming (laughs) spent the whole day at the swimming pool but police parked outside of his parents home which is where he was living and they watched him day after day but nothing changed his normal routine he didn't seem to be doing anything shady yelka on the other hand one day police witnessed her getting into her car and before she left another man exited their home and climbed into the back seat And what struck them as weird was this unidentified man laid down between the seats as if he wanted to avoid being seen. They decided to follow her. Yelka drove to a mall where she parked, exited the car, and went inside. A few minutes later, the man crawled out of the car and followed. They were trying really hard not to be seen together, I guess. 
A little while later, Yoka was seen exiting the mall and got back into the car. And just like before, the unknown man then followed a few minutes later and got back into the car, hunched down out of sight. She drove back to her home where the man got out of the car into his own car and drove away. Police have no idea what they just witnessed, but something seemed suspicious. So they follow the unknown man and pull him over. And they asked him to step out of the car. When he did, they noted that his pockets were bulging (laughs) and the wind picks up. Hundred dollar bills began flying away in the wind from his pockets. This man, his name is Milan Nanatic, I think is how you say it, was a family friend of the Pesics, and he knew some shady characters, and Yelka hired him to arrange Zandra's murder. Milan hired the hitman David Saganiano, but this wasn't your average job. He was instructed to harass Zandra for months leading up to the murder. So David was the one calling Zandra's home and sneaking around outside. He followed her in the car and set her tree on fire. Yoka was a true crime fanatic like the rest of us, and she was obsessed with the story of Cindy James. She wanted Zandra to suffer like she did. So Yoka drove Milan to withdraw $30,000 in cash to pay for the hit on Zandra. Milan would then split the money with David. But my question is, why did Milan need to go with Yoka to the bank? I think that part's really weird. Like Yoka could just act like she was going to the bank, come home and then give it to him inside where no one can see. I mean, I'm glad that's how it went down because they were caught red handed, but it just seems really weird. It's control. I think the guy wants to make sure there's no funny business. I guess. I mean, they thought they were being sneaky, but. (laughs) I like how he just shoved it in his pockets. Like, yeah, (laughs) $30,000 in my pocket. Just stuffed it in the gentle breeze. Oh my god. This does sound like a cartoon. I know. It just, it really doesn't sound real. Milan spilled the beans to police. He, David, and Yelka were all arrested for the murder of Alexandra Pesek. And Zandra was just 25 years old. So young for this to be happening. Any Uh. age is horrible, but... All three people involved were tried and convicted of murder in 1993. The sentencing for murder in Canada is life in prison, uh, but we all know life doesn't mean life. So they are eligible for parole after 25 years. Okay. I know it's different everywhere. I was kind of trying to remember the, I know the states here, it's different for every state and it's kind of wishy-washy with like exactly the sentence that you get (laughs) but what do you guys have a set murder murder is life but you get a minimum tariff dependent on your murder circumstances i guess it it can range anything from it's normally as minimum is like i don't know 15 years or something standards about 25 some people get 30 plus but is there life life yeah, it's called a whole life tariff or whole life order. Yeah, I do remember that now. That's the one. What was I going to ask then? I was going to say their parole date should have been and gone then. Yes, it is. She's actually still in prison. So after 16 years, she became ill and her lawyer tried to um, appeal and get out early after 16 years. And they were like, no, I don't care if you're ill. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're staying in jail. Um, the 25 years has passed but she as far as i know she is still alive and she is still in prison from what i can find 
Do we know about the other two guys? No, I actually couldn't find a whole lot of information about them at all. They just kind of were listed in the story, but it's quite hard to find where people are. Yeah. Especially if they've been released under the radar. Mm-hmm. But baby Brandon, he was not handed over to Joe, thankfully. I know he was never formally charged with anything, but I find it hard to believe that he knew nothing of his yeah. mother's plans. He wasn't allowed, Brandon wasn't allowed anywhere near that side of the family. He actually was then raised by Zandra's mother. And I think part of the reason she has not been paroled is she has, Yoka has never showed any remorse for what she did at all. I think she's proud. So yeah, that's what I have for this story. And I feel like it's crazy. I'd love to know what's in this tea from the old country. If anyone knows and wants to submit an anonymous recipe then i just want to know i have been having trouble sleeping i could use some tea from the old country possibly i won't give you into the authorities <laughs> but yeah that was a a good story thank you i say good it sounds awful that a well-told story oh, should thank I say. You. it felt good to get back into it if i sound like shit by the way everyone it's because i am pretty ill <laughs> So, <laughs> luckily, Bobby can do enough talking for both of us. That's right. Like he said, it, it's almost Christmas by the time this comes out. So, Stu wanted to say Happy Christmas, and I wanted to say Merry Christmas. Yeah, because Bobby didn't realize that Merry basically means, you know, everyone gets a little bit tipsy, a little bit pissed. But it can also mean that you're in high spirits. Is that what you just Googled? Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Give myself away. I didn't believe him. But yeah, look, informal. Here we go. Slightly and good humoredly drunk. Okay. Well, but also cheerful, characterized by festivity. <laughs> Words have multiple meanings. But yeah, thank you for telling us that story and for Killer British Murder Stories Volume 6 involving a Canadian murder. Yes. That's how we I do mean- it. Kind of. Like you said, we normally do one on each other's podcast, and I just don't have time to do the editing right now, so you're, you're just getting the one. So that wraps it up for another episode. Next week, I'm doing another collab, assuming it goes ahead, with Grace from Red Rum. Okay. Been trying to get that collaboration for a long, long time. Finally got her booked in, her busy schedule. Well, I'll admit not really posting much on my social media right now, so I don't even know if I want to tell you where to find me there. But look for me. Look for my podcast. It is called Killer Stories. Well, we might as well close out with wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'd say Happy New Year, but I think I'll have another episode come out before then. So I might hang fire with the Happy New Year sketch. Do you want to take us out with a cheerio? Oh my gosh, yeah, I forget how to end things. Oh my god, it's been so long. We say what? Until next time. Cheerio.